3: I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling me. and they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed.
0: I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air, couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster.
2: Hey, just before before we hit record, um, can we not use my name? Sure and i'm not gonna refer to anything officially like i'm not gonna say navy army air force marines i'm gonna leave it a bit vague so but it won't you know people will be able to fill in the blanks and um yeah and i've never told this story before out loud just in my head so yeah this is this is like like um yeah ground zero
1: okay sounds good man that that's fine with me uh what should we call you
2: what name should we um just for? call me uh well i'm gonna call a couple of the guys in my uh i'm gonna call them just like bravo one bravo two bravo three so you can you can just call me charlie charlie, charlie.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today because we release a bonus show every Thursday for members only on the website. So if that interests you, become a member to the website today. Now, speaking of memberships, we are doing a special reload show today of episode 122, Secret Military Enochian Technology with Charlie. We put this show out over two years ago and it went viral. Many, many, many people listened to the show and loved the show. In fact, some people that we may not have wanted to listen to, to the show, did listen to the show, and they visited Charlie in the country that he lives in now to talk to him about what he talked about on this show. He wanted to come on and share with me what he experienced after the show released, but he requested that that show be a members-only show because of what was talked about, and he doesn't want any more issues because he feels that possibly some people have been put into his life because of that show being released. Over the years, Charlie has proven to me over and over again that he is who he says he is. I can't go into great details, but he has helped me on many occasions. He is... The Charlie that we all know from episode 122. And he's going to be on the show this Thursday sharing what happened to him after episode 122 was released. Now, today we're rebroadcasting the original episode 122 Secret Military and Technology because the show since we released it has grown considerably. And there are many people who have never even heard that story. And so I figured since it was the number one show we've ever put out, it'd be good to rebroadcast it this Tuesday to warm everybody up to what's coming this Thursday. So before we get to Charlie and his original story of what happened to him while he was serving our military, let's listen to a trailer of what's coming this Thursday. Let's go.
2: One day, just randomly, this is, I don't know, it might have been a month or so after we we had our, our discussion. I'm at my house one night, and it's dark, so it's, you know, I can't remember what time it was, but it was, it was definitely dark, so it's way after hours, it's probably 9.30 or so. I, I get a knock on my door. I go answer it. I open the door, and there, there's two guys standing outside, um, and they're in street clothes, and they identify themselves, and they show me ID, and they are actually federal police officers of where I live, they were really friendly. You know, they said, oh, I apologize that I had to come out to your house, but we couldn't find you any other way. Um, we had to go to the, you know, like the the land titles office to find out where you lived because, you know, like by design, I, I, you know, I keep my phone numbers and, you know, I just stay as invisible as possible. And they said, well, um, would you be willing to, to come in and have a non-custodial hearing with agent so-and-so so-and-so and then uh, another agent so-and-so so-and-so from the NCIS I, I said yes I don't have a problem with that I said can you tell me what this is about and they were like well we, we don't actually know we're just tasked to come out here and exchange information with you so I went and I, and I got myself a, an attorney on retainer you know, I I go to his office. um, We take a ride out to this particular federal building where the meeting was, blah, blah, blah. We go to the elevator, we go up a certain amount of floors and we get out and we get escorted to a particular room, which I quickly recognize as an interrogation room. So I sit down and my attorney sits down and I'm looking at him and And he's kind of like gotten pretty quiet at this point. And I can kind of start to see that this is more than he's bargained for. He doesn't really, you know, I could just tell he was feeling nervous, just put it that way. A few minutes later, uh, three guys come in the room. Two of them are from this federal agency. And then the third one is the NCIS guy. They come in, close the door, uh, introduce themselves, have a seat. He said, "Oh, he said, well, since you brought an attorney, then I'm gonna read you your your rights, and you have to, you know, read through this piece of paper and sign." So then, this um, we start this interview process, and uh, so the Department of Defense guy, he's leading at this time, and he pretty much just starts asking me a lot of questions that I already know that he knows the answers to right these are questions about my my past my military past um just different things that i know that if if he has my file which he obviously does he already knows so then it it starts getting a little bit bit strange because then he starts asking me questions like well um do you still have access to classified servers you have classified material in your home do you plan to do harm to you know XYZ government um what are your intentions blah but like so so now i'm starting to get i'm starting to get questioned like a suspect and um it, it goes on for a while there's a lot of questions that are kind of the same exact questions but they phrase them a little bit differently to I guess they gauge what your answers are and um, and they're all three taking turns um, asking me different different things in different ways um, but ultimately the exact same questions and I think it goes on about 40-45 minutes I'm sitting there like luckily like I have some some training like in advanced, advanced interrogation and stuff like that so I have an idea how to keep a demeanor and, you know, stu- stuff like that. So I'm going through this process and I'm answering their questions. And um, and then I finally get, kind of get fed up with it, right? Because now I'm feeling defensive. I'm, I'm offended now because these questions that you're asking me are indicating that you think that I'm some type of criminal or I'm planning some type of criminal activity. And so I just said, you know, so so what's the bottom line here? I said, have I committed an offense? This is when the NCIS guy jumps back in, and and he's like, well, he was like, you know what you did, and I know what you did. And I said, no, I said, I really don't. You know, I said, can, can you please tell me? And he said, well, the other guys in this room aren't cleared They're for clear that. that. For
1: Today we got Charlie on the line. Charlie, how you doing, man?
2: Hey, Tony, I'm I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. So we're doing this interview. I think you said it's about midnight your time, and right now my time is right. ten o'clock in the morning. So uh, it, it's a little bit of a time difference. So I really do appreciate you coming on and uh, taking the time out of your schedule when it's such a time difference. But uh, today you have. A story or stories to share with us that are, I think, very fascinating. Uh, Now, some of the things that we're going to cover today are going to be generalizations, because there's some things you don't want to go into specific details about. And uh, so if there's any point in time that I ask you a question that you're not comfortable answering, just let me know and we can move on. Uh, But if you would, uh, please just kind of walk us into these experiences and how it all started. Like, let, Let us know where you're from. Uh, generally at least and uh how old you are what how did this all unfold for you
2: okay yeah no that that's that's that sounds good good place to start um first i would actually just like to thank you for allowing you know me to be on the show and and giving me a platform and, and listening and uh also i would just like to give a special shout out to kevin um, I heard the special episode and, and what he 's dealing with, so yeah. yeah, prayers for that man' strength and peace because that's that situation is um, yeah pretty pretty serious but um, <clears throat> yeah, so I'll, I'll just get started on this. Um, I, I do want to just say, I know I mentioned it to you earlier, but um, th- this is the the first time I've actually um, told the story. Um, so there might, might be some parts, I I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous just, just because of the content I'm going to cover. Um, but I'm, I'm, I just want to start with, with the beginning, how it all started, uh, getting into the military and all that. So, uh, am now I'm, a, I'm in my mid thirties. Um, so I've been out of the military for about five and a half years now. So all this stuff happened, um, you know, when I was in my twenties, pretty much. Um, so just you know, like like any 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 other, I guess, American that 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 feels the call. You know, I I, I went to a recruiting office. I took the initial tests. Um, the rec- the recruiter that was there at the time, he said um, he said that he he liked the score because you go in and, and you just kind of talk to him. Uh, I, I'm not going to disclose what branch I was part of, um, but I went in, I took the ASVAB test. It's just the test everyone takes, and you get a prelim score, and based on that score, then you actually go take the official test. So um, I did that first. Um, the recruiter was was pleased with my score. He thought it was was pretty good because it's it's not like it's a you know, like you get like uh, you know, ninety percent A, B, C, whatever. It's nothing like that. It's just it tests all different aspects of of how your mind works. Um, so, anyways, I did that. I agreed to go up to the official testing station. Uh, so it must have been maybe two weeks later. We did that. Um, they they take you up there. They put you up overnight. So, I, no, excuse me. The first day I took the test. Second day. Um, I had the results, and then I, I talked to uh, some detailers, and that's where you where you pick your job, right? So, they they offered me based on on my aptitude testing, they offered me some jobs, and I, I chose to go into a particular intelligence job, um, which which was, was fine. I I, I didn't know going into it, you know, when when all of it started, like where I would go, I thought maybe cryptology or something like that. But anyways, long story short, um, Intel. And, um, so from there you just, uh, you sign some papers, they get you all set up. They let you know roughly your, um, your leave date where you're going to go off and, you know, you go through the boot camp and all that. Um, not, not luckily for me, I'm a bit older. So I already had some life experience. Um so I, I was ready to go, man. You know, it, it it was something that that I wanted to do for a long time. I just kept ignoring the call and I, I just got to the point where I said, okay, this is happening. So we're going to do it. So went to went to the boot camp. Um that's that's a pretty tough 12 weeks. Um <laughs> some unbelievable stuff happens there. I actually had pretty decent time there um but yeah they the, the the primary objective there is really to get the civilian out of you so you go through everything from sleep deprivation to like physical beat downs not not that they're like beating you up but they they push you to your limits yeah and and when i went in i i, I you know i'm a I'm a pretty, I've always been pretty athletic and all this stuff. Um, you know, so I was ready to go. Like before I went, like I made sure I was ready. And um, you, you never really know what's going to happen because you, you you fly to a particular airport, a bus comes and picks up like, you know, 500 of you. Um, so you're on like a, a caravan of buses. They take you to the location where, where the boot camp is. And when you get there, you have no idea what's going to happen. So you're just along for the ride. So just, just I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but just long story short, when I got there, they divide you up and they put you into different, um, you know, like groups, different platoons and stuff like that. And those are the people. So there's about 80 guys in each group. And one thing I noticed so the first two to three days, they just keep you up. Like there's no sleep. There's no nothing going on. Um, you're just getting ready getting um just in doc in doc in doc so what what ended up happening is I ended up in a uh like special ops platoon, even though i wasn't, and there were a couple other guys that also were not special ops, but somehow we got lumped into this group so um i I don't know if that actually has any significance on what happens later as far as um where my career went, but when I look back on it now, and I and I see how that happened, I'm like, wow, that's that's actually strange. How did I actually get mixed in with this group when technically I didn't have any business there? That's I didn't sign up for anything like that, yeah. right? So, you know, it, it was just just something something weird that I look back at now. And um, yeah, so so I so I did all that. Um, once you get through the whole Boot camp situation, you you then go off to your uh, like your your training command. So so you don't have orders yet. Uh, you go to get because boot camp is only about getting you ready for the real thing, right? So then you go off and then you start training for what your job is, what you're going to be doing. So I went, um, I'll just say somewhere in California. And, uh, it, it, you know, California is great. If you haven't been there, it is outstanding. But, um, while I was there, I, I did what I, did what I had to do. I, I did all my schooling. Um, I think I, I was there for a couple months and, um, then I was pushed through my schooling. And the way it works is each class is about 20 people, males and females, and they take the top performers from the class and they allow you to pick orders first. So I was uh, top three in my class and I, I got to pick orders. It, I was actually second out of everybody. There was a female, she picked first and I picked second. And I originally had, had, had picked an entirely different set of orders to what I, what I got. So what happens is you, you kind of get like a, like a soft verbal commitment. Um, As far as, okay, these are the orders available. So, okay, I picked that one. And they're like, okay, you got that one. Now you just are kind of in a holding pattern until they cut your hard orders. And once they cut your orders and you get the physical copy, then it's set in stone. You're gone. You're going. So, um, so cool. So, I was ready. Um, And then, um, you know, a week went by, two weeks went by, three weeks went by. Um, Everybody that I was in class with, they left. I'm still there um, and I'm just uh, they, they gave me a job uh, I was just driving the captain around you know he has meetings and different things like that the captain of the the facility we were on so anyways um so I go and talk to one of the detailers at the training command and I'm saying you know what's going on with my orders blah blah, blah. he he can't give me any answers he he keeps telling me he'll get back to me get back to me get back to me so this goes on for. Man, I think it was about three months, to be honest. And and don't get me wrong, it's not that I wasn't enjoying my life because you know where I was was awesome. Um, but I was ready to get on with it. You know, I just went through all this training, and I wanted to use that. I wanted to, you know, help my country, <laughs> which 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 we did, which we did. I don't want to discount that at all. Um, so finally, one day I, I get uh, I get called in. And the detailer's there, he's like, all right, here, here's your orders. So I, I look at the orders, and it's not the orders I picked. Um, and and I also had a, a 24-hour um, evac date. So I had to be out of there within 24 hours. So that, that I thought that was pretty strange because most people know where they're going. They have some time. Uh, me, it was just pretty much here's your orders and pack up because you're leaving. Here's your plane ticket.
1: Were you able to uh, question that at all? Were you able to ask them, you know, hey, I didn't pick these. Why am I being sent here? Is that something that, you know, you don't even ask. You just have to go.
2: No, I mean, I I did ask. Um, I I did. I did ask. And the the detailer that actually gave me the orders, he had nothing to do with it because it came down to him from somebody else. Which may have come from, you know, we don't know where they originate or why. But, but we do know ahead of time that you can be sent anywhere at any time for any reason. Okay. So, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things like the, the detailer who actually ended up giving me my hard orders. He, he didn't, you know, he, he wouldn't have a clue. He wasn't even, cause he's not in the same, um, like job community that I was in. He was just there doing a job. You know what I mean? He wasn't one of us. Um, I mean, he was one. You know, he was military, yes, but you know what I mean. He wasn't within our community. So his, his his job, he was on, you know, orders just to be a detailer. But he had a different job altogether. But the way that cycles and rotations work, when when if you're not like in an active deployment um, part of your contract, then y- you might do any job, admin or, or what have you. So so that's who he was. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, so basically my orders were to an area and, and I'm not, and I'm definitely, I'm not going to say where exactly, because there's still people there working and, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna, um, but it, it was, it wasn't, it was in the Northwest of the U S. So if you can just picture the great Northwest, um, and it was, it, it was an it was an unconventional location, just put it that way. So I show up, I fly into a particular airport, and someone picks me up um, from that command. Um, and for the purposes of this story, I'm just going to call him Bravo One. Uh, not now. This guy and myself became really, really close. Uh, we're still pretty close to this day, and he actually went through the story I'm about to get into, um, with me. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him later because there's some stuff going on with him too. <clears throat> so anyways, uh, he, he picks me up. We, we chat, we talk, we we drive like nearly three hours before we even get, you know, to where we're going. Um, so it's a pretty remote location, in the middle of nowhere basically. And, um, he takes me to my barracks or actually we, we get on the base. Uh, he kind of shows me around, um, where our facility is, where I have to report in the morning. And then he, he takes me, uh, to my barracks and, um, cool. Okay. No problem. It's, uh, it's evening time. So I don't have time to get in there, get everything unpacked. Um, Get, get ready to go for the next day <clears throat> so the, the this the next day was actually pretty cool because i didn't know what i was getting myself into because all, all, all the schooling that i did led me to believe that i was going to be doing a particular type of intelligence collection so I, I thought we were going to have basically like an objective we would collect against that objective. We would we would take information and, and create intel out of that, and then we would, you know, push that up the chain of command or laterally or, or wherever it needed to go, and, and that was it, right? So I, I arrive at this facility, and it's uh, it's really cool looking. I, I mean, it, it, technically it looks like a prison. It has it has like a double fence with a dog line, and it's barbed wired all over the top and there's cameras everywhere and and I'm I'm the FNG, right? I'm the new guy. So I can't even get into the building. So I have to like before you even get into the lobby, you have to go through four doors. So I have to like buzz myself in to each door to get through each section. And there's guards there and they don't know me and you know, I'm in uniform and it's understood that I'm reporting for duty, but it's it's just a weird experience. So you get in there um so you're kind of like in the in the waiting area and it just looks like a pretty normal military building. You know, they got the flags on the wall. They got pictures of everybody in charge. And, and you're just kind of waiting. And then uh, s- someone came to get me at that point to take me down to where I was going to go. And uh, th- this is when I when I kind of thought I, w- I, w- I was in, in over my head because what happens is we start going down levels. And we're, we're down, I don't know, three, four levels below the surface level because it's only a one-story building. And to get here, we, of course, we had to go through more security doors and all this stuff. And, and in the first room that you walk into, Tony, uh, it, it's like um, if you've ever seen like those old NASA videos where you, know, you got all the people sitting at the control tables and there's monitors all over yeah. the wall that that's what this place looked like. Wow. And, um, and and it was the real deal. Like there was, um, there's people from other countries, militaries in there. Um, in, in the, in the bigger scheme of things, I didn't really work with those guys. Um, not directly, we worked indirectly together. So I didn't work in this particular room, but I had to walk through it to get to where we actually work. So there were like some adjacent um, stations behind all that. And to get into there, you had to go through another door with like a safe combo and all this stuff. Right. So, so I'm, I'm only telling you this just, just to try to like paint a picture of like how, how serious this place was. Yeah. I, pr- I appreciate this, it. Man. This, yeah. It's crazy. And, and this was, this was pre Edward Snowden because I was in when Snowden dropped a, the um, you know, the info, and everything got even tighter after that. But that's neither here nor there. But so this is pre-Edward Snowden, and this place is is, is locked up tight. Um, so so when I when I get there, uh, you know, I meet the people who's in charge of me, and I kind of meet some guys. Um, go through the chain of command because, of course, you have to meet everybody there. Uh, from from top to bottom as far as your chain of command goes and you have a chat with them um, with everybody and anyways you just kind of get the rundown of what's going on and then they notified me like okay you're going to be going to school again in, in this facility so I'm like okay great more school right i've already gone to college you know i didn't know i was gonna be doing so much schooling to begin with but um this wasn't i think this was only like uh additional eight or 12 weeks it was very intense though i mean it was probably some of the harder stuff i've done because it was just very job specific to what we were going to do and that was just a schooling aspect of it because then i still had to keep up with all the physical stuff and um and and I wasn't even special forces, but my job intertwined with, we, we worked hand in hand with special forces because, you know, they, they operate off of, you know, real time info. So we go, we go where they go basically. Um, but I didn't know this yet, by the way, I didn't know any of this cause that's not really what I was trying to do. But anyways, um, so, I go through the schooling there, I get through that, and then this is when I start going on deployments. Um, and I'll say be, before it was all said and done, I did six overseas. And um, we had kind of like a non conventional unit. So, my deployments would last anywhere between, you know, we'll say sometimes three to four months, and then we would come back stateside. Um, we would go through a training cycle, um, to get ready for the next mission because the, the way that the department of defense works that, you know, they, they, kind of have an idea of what's going on, um, so they can project what needs done. And so we would go through training cycles and sometimes, um, Sometimes we would train for you know a couple months and go overseas and then not even you know get get completely different like uh, we got these things called op-ords, which are operational orders and sometimes we would go overseas we would like chop in with another unit um like another mother and our op would totally change um but but primarily we were we were set up for i s r so that's uh, intel surveillance and recon missions that that was what we did there were there was always either somewhere you know 12 to 16 of us for the most part depending you know stuff can fluctuate and um yeah so so I'll just jump right into it um uh, as far as where this is going the th- this was about my fourth deployment now so i had I had some 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 decent experience under my belt. Um, knew knew my job really well, um, and had some some real, real life experience. So the the this particular deployment was strange because we just came back from a from a previous deployment, and and also I'll just say that they usually keep the teams together as long as we're performing well. Um, so. We we get back fourth deployment. Well, we're only back for about two weeks, and then a, another op board comes in, and instead of deploying the whole crew, um, or the whole you know the whole team, they they're deploying eight of us, and then they're they're deploying eight scientists. And now this isn't uncommon because a lot of times we would like meet up with the scientists once we got to certain locations. And um, when I say scientists, these guys are, you know, they work for like, uh, you know, UCLA and John Hopkins. They do all like the um, just the over the top technical stuff, um, experimental stuff. Uh, so, so you know, these kind of these, these are some of the smartest men and women you'll ever meet or that I've ever met. So it was already strange. And another thing that was strange is that, that they didn't really. Tell us what the mission was. We just got to board to deploy to a specific location. We were gonna. We had to go board a. Um, it was a, a a scientific research vessel. So it was basically a ship that was. Um, it was flagged to a different country. So we flew into a different country. Uh, we boarded this this ship. The the eight of us. So it was the eight military personnel and eight scientists and then on board there was like they had their own ship's crew so there were about uh 35 or so guys that were working on that ship they were yeah that, that was just their job okay so um i just kind of made some notes i'm just going through i don't want to miss anything so yeah
1: that's understandable um I mean-
2: you got, I'm not dragging, am I?
1: No, no, no. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. In fact, I was just going to say, okay. I, I appreciate you uh, drawing the details out for us and stuff because I know that what you experience, I think that there's a lot of background information that needs to go with it as much as possible. So what you're doing, I think, is actually really good. Okay.
2: Okay, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to paint the picture. So glad to hear that. Um, all right, then. So, so we, we, we board this ship um we we have all our gear with us that we're going to take the, the scientists have their gear um and and like I said th- this whole thing was a little bit strange because still up to this point we we don't know what we're what exactly we're doing you know we we assume that it's like within our realm of you know of operational capabilities but but we don't know so so it's kind of weird like even LT um he didn't know or or if he did know, he really did a good job of not letting us know that he knew. <laughs> but anyways, neither here nor there. So so what happens is uh we we get out into international waters and then LT calls a briefing. So this is basically like mission prep stuff, let us know what's going on. So we all we all go to the to the skiff. Um this it's just us and the scientists in there at this time. And Lt. lets us know that um, we're going on a search and recovery mission. So we're going to actually um, disembark and be on, on the ground somewhere, and we're we're looking for a particular downed aircraft, and um, see see if we can. So so there's a few objectives here. So obviously we were going to search for survivors, um, and then another thing we had to do is Um, we we had to find the aircraft and we had to basically extract as much data we could from the, you know, the computers and stuff on board and then destroy it just in case, because where, where, where it ended up being was what was in an area known to be hostile. And um, obviously you don't, you don't want other people to get what you have. Right. Um, Especially on, on, a and, and still, and, and I I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but this was particularly important because of the type of aircraft that was actually down. And, and, and we'll get into this later because it's Tony, it's weird, man. It's weird. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah. So, and then there was another deviation from protocol, which was, was really strange, um, Usually when when we're on a search and recovery, we get uh, isolation preparations, meaning um, everyone that's going to ever deploy uh, behind enemy lines has to um, go through an ISO prep um, contingent. And all that really means is it, it it has some very detailed, very personal information on it so that if I'm overseas – and I get captured by the enemy, and I'm beat to hell, and I'm barely conscious, you know, some you guys can swoop in, ask me one or two questions that would only be on this ISO prep, and that only I would know. And if I answer those correctly, then you know you have the right guy, and we can get the hell out of there. Right? So, we didn't, we didn't have any ISO preps. We didn't know who we were looking for. We didn't know what type of aircraft we were looking for um what they they gave us like a, a general latin long of the of the i guess the crash site and then um i i guess we were so scientist heavy because they had a lot of sensitive equipment with them that could pick up particular frequencies and stuff like that so they had a whole array of frequencies that they could scan for to try to help locate this aircraft so we're we're getting ready to go, um, and and, and I'm and I'm already noticing if, like I've already told you about a few of the things that were weird that um, didn't quite add up compared to previous missions, and then um, these the, the scientists like a handful of them I I, I knew, um, and and one or two of the guys I knew pretty well just from previous times, and, and these guys are just regular cool guys, man. They they, they got families at home. They're not out here trying to get into too much trouble. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I could tell, man, they, they were scared. I i we were, we were chatting. Um, because another thing is too, we're, we're on a, a 36 hour boat ride before we even get to our disembark, uh, wow. disembarkation point. So we, we, we had to go. Yeah, we had to, we had to go quite a ways and we're, we're also on a ship that is, um, It's a scientific research vessel, so it's not that fast. It's not a warship. It's nothing like that. It's just a just a ship. So, I guess I don't know what they have to go through to get permission to go into certain areas for, whatever. So all that happens, you know, outside of my pay grade. So um so yeah so so as we're getting ready, you know, um, I'm talking to some of the scientists. Man, they they look. They look nervous, you know, like, um, like I I couldn't tell if they, if they knew like more than we did or, or what, but, but something was off. Um, yeah. So, so the, the, like uh, my, my, my Spidey sense basically was tingling, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so anyway, so, so, so we finally arrived. So we are roughly like two nautical miles um, off of our uh two nautical miles outside of where we're going, so at this point um we're we're expecting to to make landfall, go two days in, once we find the site, we were gonna spend about twelve hours there, do what we had to do, and then two days out, and then back on the ship, and then done, All right? That that was the plan, um, so no problem. Uh, so yeah, so we got to that point. Um, we we used uh, two separate ribs, so there were uh, four mil. Oh, it's a rubber haul inflatable boat. It's just like a little little speedboat. Okay, little motorboat. So you can kind of so because the ship can't get that close to the shore without grounding out, you know. So, and plus we're, we're in a, oh yeah, uh, I want to back up too. Cause we're, we're also in a, in a covert posture. So all comms on the ship were down. And uh, yeah, so, so, so the, there were just weird things going on. right So that means so, that pretty
1: like, much you're like, isolated alone. There's no communication, nothing like that.
2: No communication. We, we have like some HF frequency, um, which, which I'm definitely about to talk about here in a minute. Because we 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 took some obviously comms so we could talk to Alpha Kilo, which is the um sorry uh, the the ship which we called Alpha Kilo for okay. this particular mission. So obviously, so we could keep in contact with them, and because uh, we have windows where we have to do comms checks, so they know that you know everything is going according to plan. Because once once you get out there, man, you you you're on your own. So if they have to send the Calvary men, you have like a 48-hour tether. So you can't even get help for a couple of days if something goes wrong, especially where we were. Um, which, again, I'm, I'm not going to even say where we were. I'll just describe it. Um, so, yeah, so we get on these ribs. We, we speed off to the shore. And basically we, we, put, we roll up on a, on a beach. And, um, we kind of, we have, we have like the ribs come equipped with a lot of different stuff and they have like netting you can put over them. So we kind of like hit them a little bit cause the beach had like, it was kind of, it was, it was a little sandy. It was rocky and it had like a lot of like driftwood. And so it's this type of area. So we were able to like put the ribs up against some of that stuff and then net them. So just put a net over them to kind of, kind of hide them. Right. Unless you're right up on it, you might not see it. So, so that, that's fine. So, so the area, um, I'll just kind of, kind of describe the area. It's like a, it's like a rocky woodland area. Um, It was a cold time of year. Uh, It wasn't snowing, um, but it was, it was pretty chilly. And like I said before, it was um, an area that, that we could consider hostile. Like if we ran into people, it, it, it might, it might go, it might go off. So we we had to be pretty careful, and plus we had eight civilians with us, which you know were very important for what we were doing because they had all the technical know-how and and all that stuff okay. so um so, all right, so we're on the beach, and we we have uh you know we have our general Latin long where we're heading to and 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 we start going so so we're kind of just going through as a group, if you can just like imagine like a hike, basically. Um, there's, uh, there's four leaders in the front. We keep all the civvies in the middle and then there's four of us in the back. And I I was part of the, the back four. So we're hiking up and, and, and we, we had like, we had a plan, like planned down to the minute we were going to go to a certain spot. We were going to get a little bit of sleep we were going to wake up early at um basically at dawn and then we we're going to make the, the rest of the way in there so so 2 days in and then we we figured we could get to the site so this this is when when some things started going a little weird um as far as operational concerns go because um oh another thing I, I forgot to mention is we 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 had a window we, we thought we had about 5 days before a storm was coming in that was gonna basically put them put us in like a sea state of six which is which is pretty hefty especially for the ship we were on so it was very important that we got in and out as quickly as possible um so i i don't know if that really plays significance we'll talk about that a little later um but but we we get to a point in the day where it's starting to get dark now because we, we didn't, um, another thing is we didn't leave the ship like real early. We, we left like in the late afternoon, uh, just so we can make our approach almost under our darkness. Um, so, so yeah, so we get there, we're walking through <clears throat> and, um, and we, we get, we get to, uh, like we, we went through our first comms window, no problem um but we're also going up in elevation as we're walking and we're getting into some some thicker more more dense like wooded areas um which normally isn't a problem for HF um which is high frequency it's you know it, that stuff is designed to basically talk over the horizon um so we 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 get to a point we get to our, our second comms window and suddenly we we can't we can't um communicate so i'm going out over the radio basically saying like alpha kilo alpha kilo uh radio check over and it's just silence no one's coming back so we go through this a couple times We, we had two radios with us we tried both of them and we weren't getting anything so what we did we had we had two guys that were like um basically like uh, recon scouts that were with us and they took off. Um, they were trying to get to higher ground, uh, to make contact. So, so they left us and they just went ahead. I mean, we were all going a- a- along the same drift line. So it's not like they just went off in some direction, you know what I mean? And, uh, so, so, that night we uh, so we kept walking. Those guys kind of double timed it, and we didn't we didn't hear from them for a few hours. And now now it was time to to camp. So we kind of um, the, the, there's a particular way we set up um in these situations. So anyways, we set up camp, and um we the the two scouts that went out, we we never heard from them. We couldn't reach them on comms. So something strange started happening where, because we all had um, like individual comms, so we could communicate with each other within like a thousand meters, right? And now, now these these comms are playing up too. So we, if if I'm not like an earshot of you, we, we can't communicate like like um, verbally, which which was also weird. Um, you know, things were were, were malfunctioning now. <laughs> Um so anyways the the, the two scouts I went up they they ended up uh so we set up camp and and they actually never came back that night. Um the it wasn't really that alarming though because there's protocols for everything. Um we just figured they hunkered down somewhere um whatever. So so nightfall we get up on day 2 very early. Um like i said those guys never came back um and 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 we're and we're hiking now along the same drift line and uh something weird started like over the radios um they just started squawking like just periodically so we we would just be walking (laughs) you know what i mean it just like squawks in your ear and and You're like, well, you know, well, why is this happening? Uh, it was just abnormal, very abnormal. So it ha- happened a few times, and it's not like we couldn't hear anybody. Like um, it didn't sound like anybody was trying to call out to us, but the but the radios would just squawk. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say about that. So so that so that happened. Uh, So so as as we as we get up the. You know get get up a ways and and we're walking probably maybe a few hours into it now on day two um, the the recon guys they they met back up with us so so they just said that they got to a certain point um, they still couldn't contact alpha Kilo. they were exhausted they camped out all good like um another thing I should say is th- these guys um are, are they were very highly trained guys, um, so you you don't have to worry about them. If if you don't see them for a while, um, they're okay. You know what I mean. So this isn't even that abnormal that they had gone off and and all that happened. Okay. So. You you know what I mean? Am am I dragon? Just no, let me know if I'm No, tra-
1: you're you're fine. Oh. I, I'm I'm assuming I, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, I I have a friend that was a Navy SEAL and he's highly trained and he pretty much can survive in any environment. I'm assuming that's kind of same type of guy you're talking right. about.
2: Yes, we are. Yeah. Th- we're, those are the type of guys we're with. And, and and I'll just say this too. This is like an interregimented group too. So it's not just like one branch. It's a few guys from a few places. Gotcha. And the, and these are all like very highly trained individuals. So yeah, you're you're right on the money. You're right on the money. Um. So uh. So yeah. So we. Oh yeah. So we met back up with them, and, and we and we kept it moving. Just uh. We, we we really needed to reach this objective, because now we don't have comms with with mother, and uh and, and like I said, we got a storm looming, and it's just um. We're just, I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was just feeling strange, man. It wasn't going as according to plan, like it, like it normally does. Um, cause, Cause pretty much when you when we plan these things so meticulously, um, stuff tends to happen as it should. So yeah, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, so I'll just fast forward a bit because not nothing else really happened. Um, in, until we we got to the site, so 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 we finally do get to the site of where the aircraft is, um, and we actually the the Latin long was pretty spot on. Um, the the scientists had some gear out where where they were picking up some like very low low frequencies, like below ten hertz, um, and that's pretty low. I, and I, and I don't know if it was emitting from the aircraft, but it seemed. It seemed like it was because it was peaking as we were arriving, right? So anyway, so um this is kind of when the story starts getting interesting because we we see this aircraft and it's it's kind of it's you can see a trail like it doesn't look like have you ever seen like a commercial airline crash and it's got this big trail of debris where it' has smashing through trees and all this stuff like this this wasn't like this it it you could see where it kind of like crashed through the canopy of the of the foliage and it 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 did bang up like a couple of the bigger trees, but then it then it was just like sitting down in a valley.
1: Was it kind of like, uh, it, it, it crash landed from like a vertical angle instead of like a horizontal angle. Is that what you're trying to describe?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's Yeah. Yeah. So, so it almost came straight down instead of on like a vector. Um, and, and I, I guess, I don't know at, at the time I didn't really think it was that weird. Um, I just thought, oh, okay, there we found it and, and we were still pretty far away because it was actually in a valley. And we had to climb that, de- climb down like about fifty feet to actually get like to like on the surface that it was on. Um, but right away, you could see that this was like a, it was a very weird air- aircraft. So this thing was, it was like it was from from our perspective before we got up to it. It was it was just it was jet black. Um, it was kind of like I guess the size of maybe like a like a seven thirty seven. But it, it, the, it, the, um, the wings were, were different. So the wings weren't quite as wide and they were, they were pushed, um, to the back kind of like, um, kind of like you would see like a NASA space shuttle. It wasn't the same shape as that, but it was kind of, you know, how the wings are kind of on, on the, the aft end of those ones. Right. Um, and so, so it just, it just had a weird, a weird look. I hadn't had seen an aircraft like that before and, you know I had' seen a lot of aircraft up to that point. so um, so anyways we we, we climbed down um, and we all we all kind of have have our jobs to do when we get there. so because of of my specific job, so I had to go um, into the fuselage. Uh, <clears throat> my instructions were to extract all the data, so basically plug into all the computers that were on board. Extract everything I could. Then we would perform um, emergency destruction on those hard drives and stuff like that. And then, like just for good measure, we would uh, put thermite over everything and basically melt it all. And then, and then before we left, uh, I, I guess we were gonna detonate a local EMP just to make sure to wipe out everything. But I didn't know anything about that because. The scientists were dealing with it, the EMP part of it. I didn't learn that until later, till we were about to leave, um, which isn't really a big deal. But it, that's just weird that we didn't even know about anything like that because um, we had to set it on a timer to make sure that we could get far enough away that it wouldn't, um, you know, mess up our gear because we had we had gear, too and i don't know maybe that's the reason why our radios were playing up to begin with maybe I, I don't know um it doesn't really matter to be honest um so we uh we climbed down. we started approaching this plane um or i guess this aircraft <clears throat> and uh like you, you, as you get closer you can start to see more detail and like the outside of it was it it, it was like um it was like a checkerboard right but it was it was black on black so it was like a matte black this entire thing was black it didn't have any flags on it um as we got closer like it, it didn't appear to have any like traditional weapon systems that i have seen um anything like that um now there there were some parts that looked like maybe maybe they something got like tore off or something but there, there wasn't a lot of damage to it that we could see at this time, so we kind of get up to it. Um, and, and, and while we're there, we, we we set up we set up security. So, so some guys are just on security. Some guys have different jobs to do. The scientists they all have their stuff to do, right? So they start breaking out their gear, and it's getting dark now. So we set up lights and stuff too. Um, so so now we're on site. We got twelve hours. To do what we have to do, twelve hours or less. To do what we have to do, and then get out of there. Um, So, uh, I'll I'll just explain more about the, the the aircraft. So when we got up to it, man, like it was like I said, it was like a checkerboard. So, like, but every other check on the the craft was like a ceramic tile, almost. But it was super cold. Like all the ceramic tiles were super, like way colder than it should have been. So I don't know if they were being like cooled from the inside because, as we found out when, when we did get inside, it still had power inside. So it wasn't like a completely dead, dead ship. Um. So, anyways, we worked our way around, um, like to the to the aft end, I guess, on the side that we couldn't see as we moved around. And that's where we saw there was like a, there was like a big tear in the side of it, um, which obviously we concluded okay this is what brought it down. Now we, we didn't we didn't know what why uh, we couldn't tell um, it didn't look like a, an explosion from the inside it didn't look like they got hit so anyways there was a tear in the side so some something had happened. Uh, so so we we work our way up and we we actually uh breach in through the doors um <clears throat> like uh just behind the cockpit and and as you walk in I don't know have you ever been on like a like an aircraft that's set up for anything other than transport
1: not that I can remember no
2: okay so this this looked like um it it, it just looked like a traditional like workspace, so you had like um once we once we got inside, like I said the lights were still on. Um, that was fine and there were just different workstations that did they're, they're set up for different things. If you've ever been on a ship or a submarine and you've ever been through any of those workstations it, it was set up kind of like that. so obviously each station has a, a different function and it seemed to be pretty intact. Um, there, there wasn't really much noticeable damage on the inside. Uh, so at this time me and one of the scientists and this is a guy that i had worked with before so i was very comfortable working with him um we kind of moved on to our little area where we had to work <clears throat> and um and we and we got to work he was doing his thing i was doing mine um so it it, it is dark out now um and like i said we're we're in the elements so we're hearing um Well, I guess we thought were like wolves and stuff, like not, not too close, but it just gave you a chill, man, because just when, when, when you think that you're just doing your job, then you're, you're reminded that you're like in the middle of somewhere and not only could there be hostile humans, but now we're hearing things that would probably eat us. And, um, yeah, so it was just, it was just. I was starting to feel uneasy and, and nothing strange even has happened yet. And I'm already feeling it because I think the tension was like bleeding over from the scientists because they were, um, like I said, they were, they were feeling a certain kind of way before we even left. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so we get there. So basically I, I extracted, I will go through like each, each machine and, um, actually, for for the way that the aircraft looked, I thought, you know, what what kind of tech is on side is inside this thing? I have no, idea. I don't know if I have the gear for it, um, but but I I did actually. I mean the the it wasn't like super advanced stuff like I thought it might be. It was pretty traditional hardware, um, so I was able to connect. And what I do, I would just uh, extract all the data I could. I would upload a virus into that system, and then I would move on okay so now this this is when this story starts getting a little bit strange and and there's a few points that get strange and this is one of them so i uh i arrive at this particular workstation and um and and the screen was still on which you know that's fine it wasn't really doing anything it was just there but it it had a, a language like it had um it had characters on the screen and a, and it was a language that that I've never um I've never seen and and I, at the time you know I, w- I was trained I could identify about 7 languages just on site. so for me to to see some characters that I didn't even recognize I, it, it was pretty strange so, I'm kind of like standing up over this console and i and I pull um my field manual out and I'm flipping through and I, and i'm and I'm trying to find um I'm trying to find what language this is um I guess it this might have been more for my curiosity than anything else um and, and as I was doing that I, I did have the terminal plugged in, so I was extracting data as well so while I was waiting for that, I was looking through my field manual and um at the time or at that time the uh the guy with me came up and um uh, he's kind of hovering over like to the side of me like looking what I'm doing and he's like um, what are you doing and i and i explained to him the situation i said i'm just trying to identify what this is and and then i just go on about my business i'm flipping through some of the pages um you know, doing my thing, and he's still standing there. And then, like Tony, man, he he just like put his hand, like calm, like like calmly, but very sternly, on on the book I was looking through. Right. So so I looked up at him, and he says, uh, he says, you you're not gonna find it in there. <clears throat> and I says, uh or I must've had a look on my face. Like, like, how do you know, you know, something? Cause I'm just looking at him and it's kind of like a moment of silence and our eyes are locked. And I said, well, well, how do you know? You know, I said something like that. And he says, <clears throat> this is, this is strange, man. He says, uh, and, 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 and at the time I didn't even know what this was. Um, but somebody like you, Tony, you probably will know what this is right away because I had to, you know, later on I went and found out about this. But anyways, he says uh, you won't find it there, and I'm like, why not? He said, uh, he said it's it's a Nokian, and I, I had never heard of that before. Oh man! So, you, you know, do you know what that is?
1: Well, it's I no, I'd never heard a Nokian. Uh, did he did it is it like a derivative of the word anachian
2: um I, I don't know okay. i don't i don't i it starts with the e it's e n o c h i a n
1: oh hold on a second are you talking about oh you said enochian as in C-H, like enoch
2: yeah yes oh
1: yes that one oh enochian got gotcha. oh is that
2: what it is enochian, enochian. yes yes um and, and, that's uh, and i was oblivious at the time
1: yeah i i that's like um i'm not trying to shift gears or or even like get you off track or anything like that i want you to continue I don't know, but go but it, the yeah. enochian language is it's like um uh it, it's like a cultic or uh, uh angelic Kind of like I don't know much about it, but it's for like um, I I I I'm gonna butcher it, but I know I I definitely have heard of this, and it it's it's like really secretive kind of like language, right?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, since since I have researched it as much as I could, so I kind of have a grasp, I think, of what it is. um But but at the at the time when I didn't, and I just looked at him, I and our eyes were locked, and. um and he knew that he had to answer me, because I didn't know what he was talking about. And, and and I I was looking like our our pupils were locked, and I could see like his chin quivering, like you know when somebody's about to say something they don't want to say, and, and like their muscles are like involuntarily like shaking. Yeah. So he's looking at me, and I can see his chin doing that. I'm like, what is what what is going on here? Like I'm. I'm I'm suddenly confused, kind of about this whole situation. And he says it's uh it's an ancient demon language. And I uh, and I didn't believe him. I I, I said I, I said no no. I said that that doesn't there's no such thing. And anyways, <clears throat> so so I, I kind of try to pull my my manual back from him, and he's standing there and. And this guy, I'll just say, like, he's very professional all the time, very polite all the time. And when he saw that I didn't believe him, he kind of, like, doubled down on my manual when I tried to take it away. And he looked at me again, and he said, he said, get your job done, and let's get the fuck out of here. And he, he would never cuss, you know what I mean? I've never heard him say anything like that before, but he was serious, Tony. And, um, and and I could just like, from that point on, man, it was like pressure. Like you could, I could just feel it because now I don't, I I don't know what's going on. I I really don't know what's going on. I don't even know if the other guys that are, I don't know if they know, I I don't know what's happening. So I just, sorry, I just, I just continue to do what I'm doing. Um, I, I finish that station. I move on. There's a few more stations. Um, and we, 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 we kind of finished what we were doing inside there. Um, so we, we set the thermite, do you know what thermite is? Yeah. It's, uh, okay. So we had these little, like, uh, they're, they're just little strips we put on top of basically each console boom. we're done and we just light it up and that thing just gets so hot that it just melts through the entire thing. So, so that, that's, that's like typical if we're trying to destroy stuff that we don't want. Any, anyone to ever recover, um, and like I said, like um, just if if I go back to describing the inside of of the aircraft, it, it wasn't it wasn't crazy looking. Like I, it, from the outside, I thought, oh man, this this looks like Star Trek. But on the inside, it was it, it wasn't really like um, the the cockpit. I, I didn't go in the cockpit, but the door was open. I could see in it. It looked pretty traditional. It was very high tech, but it looked you know, pretty regular. Um and and also, Tony, there's no sign of life. I forgot to even mention that. What Where, where's the crew? We there's nobody there. Which was weird. Um yeah, so so I finished what I had to do, so I went up um and then I just kind of took took a security watch. Um to wait for everyone else to finish what they were doing and, and, and man. So as you can imagine at this time, like I'm not, I'm not telling anybody what's, what's happening because, uh, Bravo one, which is the, the guy I told you about that had originally picked me up. He was there too, but he was doing something else. Um, you know, job specific for him. Um, so I didn't even, uh, I didn't even mention this to anybody So this is all like marinating in my head and, and I, and I'm still not sure if I, if I believe what this guy said at this time, you know, I, I just don't know. It's, it's it's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. And why would you know? It's not time to joke, so I don't think he was trying to tell a you know play a trick or anything like that. And um and yeah, so I just left it at that, uh, and I waited for everyone to finish. So basically. That was night, nice. so we were there about twelve hours uh, actually only we were only there for about ten hours, but by that time um it was it was daybreaking the next day um so we had to start hiking out now and uh as 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 we're hiking out you know we, we all gear up um i, I kind of had a chat with uh, Bravo one well, so remember I told you there were like uh there were four in front, the eight series in the middle and the four in the back, yeah. So once we, like, reestablished, like, a formation and we, and we started leaving, like, we were kind of talking. And, and I had mentioned it. I would, I'll just call them Bravo 1, 2, and 3. So I mentioned to them, kind of like, uh, I, I was just feeling them out, saying, like, w- what's going on here? What do you guys think that was? Because another thing, like, I can't remember if I mentioned it or not, but that aircraft didn't fly a flag either. There were no tail numbers. There was no, no flag. There was no identification. And I've never seen that before. It was just weird. Um. Yeah. So, so anyways, I'm asking them, and and they, they didn't really get the feeling that anything like too crazy. You know, they they thought the other stuff was weird, like with the radios and stuff like that. And of course, they thought the aircraft was weird. But but you know, you know, man, you, we have no idea what they can create with the technology. They they only tell us uh, what we need to know. You know, ex- especially as consumers, they only tell us about things that they can profit from. So, I think I think the general consensus was okay. This is just you know, uh, I I personally thought it was like a um, you know, like an Air Force spy plane or something like that. But I also had in the back of my head what the guy told me about that language on on one of those consoles, and and I just it was it was really bizarre to me at the time. So so we start walking out um and, and we're not really much for talking during this because like i said we we were we were in a in a spot where i might be hostile so so as we're moving we're we're on watch as well um security watch um and 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 like i said the pressure is building and i got i got the feeling man we were walking out of there and this might have just been my paranoia um but i, I just got the feeling that That something was now watching us. Now, whether it was like uh, the pack of dogs from the night before, because I told you we heard like this howling and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I just got this. You you know. You know what I mean? Like, you ever just have that feeling?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So, so I had that, and um, I shouldn't have had it at that point. I, I should have been like, you know, ready to rock on top of my game. But I, I had this nagging feeling. I kind of mentioned it to the other guys, like, man, I, I, I feel funny, man. Like, uh, do you guys see any movement? Da 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 da, and and they're like, no. But then, like, as as we moved, they started also getting this feeling. Um, and so so we kind of um we kind of took breaks periodically because remember we're with uh, some civilians too, and we're going through some pretty rough terrain, so we can't just like. <laughs> You know, jog, jog it out. <laughs> so, um, and, and we are carrying some, or especially them, they they had some pretty heavy gear. We had our, our typical gear. Um, I don't think it was much of a problem for for us. But anyways, so our, our next little um, resting point, we kind of grouped up, spoke to the guys in in the front. T- you know, got a read on them, see how they were feeling, and and I think at that point, like everybody was kind of feeling something off for sure. So, so just to be safe, um, we we got into like a, a, a defensive posture, like a um, just like a defensive movement posture. So we were kind of surrounding the civilians, and we were moving with purpose from this point on. Um, and, and to, until we got to our, our 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 first point of of like a uh, rest, because we, we were we were going we were going out. It was the same way out as we went in. So we were going till um, dark. We were gonna camp, sleep some, get up and get out of there. Um, hopefully be down to the beach sometime in the in like the early afternoon. That was what we were all shooting for. Um so so yeah, so the the radio still weren't working. We we hadn't had contact now. It's been over twenty-four hours. Um actually it's been it's been closer to a day and a half now. And we haven't had contact with uh Alpha Kilo. And uh, and and it just yeah. So so the pressure was building. We were we ready to get out of there, um, but we know we had one more night. So we we got to a point, and and since we had decided to go into condition one and defensive posture and all that stuff, we we kind of um we we found a point to rest to set up camp basically where um, there were there were two high points about five hundred meters apart. Um. And between those two high points, like in a straight line, we would put one scientist like roughly every 20 meters and stuff. So, so every 20, 30 meters, there was one scientist that would lay there. And there's a few reasons we do stuff like that. Um, it's basically so if there is some type of ambush or something like that, that not everyone's getting hit at the same time right and then the the eight of us the the four on the peak in the front and then the four on the peak in the back we had overwatch and um so we kind of got settled in and, and it was starting to get pretty cold too so that was another concern because we were like um you know we didn't know if it was going to get cold enough and to get hypothermia or what it, it didn't end up being that cold but uh man th- this night is the the strangest thing that has ever happened, man. Like the the stuff I'm about to get into now. Um, so the scientists are down. It's it's it is, it is well. It's almost dark now. Um, the sun's not down, but since we're like under the trees and stuff, it's pretty dark. And it's it's typical like sounds of you know that you you would typically think you'd hear in the forest uh so it was nothing strange there um all conditions seem normal and the way the way that we we do these type of things when, when we have to um be on alert you know 24 7 we since we had four men we all would like sit down with our backs to each other and lean our left shoulder against the next guy So there's a few reasons we do that. Um, One is to make sure we keep our rifle in our right hands. And another reason is so two guys can sleep at a time while the other two guys have like a 180 degree vector that they can see. That's smart. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. sense. Can I ask you a question
1: Uh, before we go any further? uh, With that, what you just described and stuff. And this is really off topic, but I'm going to kill myself if I don't ask this question. What happens if somebody's left-handed yeah. and they use their gun in the left hand?
2: They, ha- they, they, they It doesn't matter because you, you're trained to shoot them both.
1: Okay, gotcha. All right.
2: Because, just... because there there are there are lefties. I'm a lefty, but I shoot a rifle right-handed.
1: Gotcha. I, I do too. That, uh, I, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was the same for everybody or what, but I'm left-handed, but I shoot right-handed. And so I wasn't sure, you know.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, like when when my dad had taught me how to shoot when I was young, I just I learned how to do it right handed anyways. But but it doesn't matter. You you do enough shooting on both sides that you you can be pretty proficient. But since you know society is right handed dominant, that's kind of just how, how how it goes. I guess as you know, <laughs> since you're left handed, <laughs> yeah. we, we get all the the spirals on the um you know paper on the left side and the yep. desks at school when we were young. Yeah, so you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So let me uh, let me let me get back in here. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we had the guys. So like I said, they were about 500 meters up. Uh, we had the scientists on a string, um, kind of in the middle of us, in in our, all of our views. Um, and then we were set up like in, in in a vector formation, so so two guys could get some rest, and then when they were done resting, the other two guys could rest. And we still have the same coverage um, visually, you know. And, and we also had optics and stuff. So we had uh, night vision and FLIR and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's helpful in a very dark forest. Um, so I, I guess I, I guess, I guess we'll just go into it, man. The night's going on. Um, I'm, I'm on a, a resting cycle. Um and man just just what I'm about to tell you man is weird, and' I'm just gonna kind of need for for you and, and the audience man you gotta decide for yourself because to this day like some of this stuff i'm I'm just not really sure about, and it, it it's it still has me messed up a little bit you know it's just it's just weird <clears throat> so oh, like I said, I was kind of sleeping, but you have to understand too like we're not really sleeping like our, our brains are always turned on even though my body was resting so i'm um, I'm just i mean i'm just sleeping and uh you remember back in the day we had the ipods
1: oh yeah
2: <laughs> so, so i had an ipod in one ear and and, and i'm only bringing this up is because i re- i remember the song that was playing whenever i kind of got woken up even though i wasn't really asleep but um so it's just it's just all quiet. Um, and then uh, I hear this is Bravo One now, right? So the guy I know pretty well, he's he's on watch, so he's awake. And like in in the military lifestyle, like we're all really really familiar with each other. So we we have either nicknames for each other, or we call each other by our names, or, or whatever, right? So when somebody calls you out by your by your job title, then then you you immediately just subconsciously know that it's serious and it's about business. Okay? So so I'm kind of in a in a sleep, I'm resting. And uh Bravo 1 he's to my right and he he says uh you know I can hear him saying and uh, I kind of kind of come back to consciousness and in the song it, it, you know mob deep you ever heard you know of heard course. of mob deep yeah so you're, you're a hip-hop guy yeah so. yeah so remember that song twisted i think it's called twisted or something
1: i'd probably have to hear it, but i'm sure
2: i've heard it yeah anyways it's, it's not important at all but it was playing in my ear and i just thought okay that, that was weird because it was just ironic because the situation was about to get twisted and um so, anyways, um, I kind of pull my, my earpiece out and, and I respond. And he said, uh, and, and he's talking pretty quiet. He's like, uh, uh, m- multiple tangos, you know, multiple tangos. And he, he calls out, he's calling his shot. So he's calling out uh, like the location, the direction they're moving. And, and he's just saying multiple. So I don't know how many there are. So, so I say, okay. So, and by this time, everyone's awake, like us four. We're, we're now awake and, um, we kind of like change our positioning and, and get into prone positions. So just, you know, cause that's a, the right thing to do in that situation. So he's, um, he's like, you know, calling out the, uh, basically the, uh, the, the lines of bearing where he's seeing contacts. And so I can't see anything with my naked eyes. So I flipped my night vision. And, and and I still don't see anything, so I'm, I'm trying to adjust a few things. And and I don't know if the other guys have seen anything yet, but um, Bravo One definitely did. Two and three, they were. I think they're in the same situation. I like because first thing you do is you go to night vision, see what you can see. And uh, it's just in this situation, we couldn't see anything, so we flipped to FLIR, which is. Um, do you know what FLIR is? It's a yeah. it's a forward looking infrared. Yeah. And if you've ever seen any videos of it and stuff, man, you you can see like really good in in, in the dark. So uh so uh, we flipped to the flare man and uh what 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 I observed was uh I don't even know how to say it, man. I I could see like yeah when you look through FLIR and you're looking at a person or you're looking at a vehicle or something like you can see the entire thing because it's emitting a certain type of heat that is in a certain uh, spectrum that the FLIR sensors can pick up. So it's, it's, it's almost not fair, but um, man, and this is haunting, man. So uh, uh, I, I, I see, these, these things, right? And, and I don't want to say things like, like, because I, I, I don't even know what they are. But, but what I'm observing is basically, and, and, and there were like 20 of them. I could see like 20 sets, man. And, and, and they were these, they were like figures, like, you know how on some of your shows, like, people talk about like shadow man or shadow figures or something, and they say it's like blacker than black. Yeah. So, We're seeing these things that are like blacker than black, but they have these like piercing and I'll never forget it, man. It's these piercing, like orange eyes. And 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 that's all I can and, and I could kind of make out like there were some taller ones, some shorter ones. And I didn't know, like I thought I thought it was other people with optics on. And it still might have been. I don't. It it was nothing I've ever seen before. Um, but they they were like moving, kind of laterally to us, and they were coming up from our our, our rear position. But it didn't seem like they saw us. But I, I confirmed that we were all seeing the same thing. Now they, th- this group of, um, I guess we'll just call it orange eyes. They were they were starting to converge like toward the forward group, um, not the scientists at all. They moved like later, or, um, they moved horizontally, like along that line, kind of, it's hard to, des- to describe how the force was set up, but they were moving like forward. If we're in the back, they're moving forward. And, um, and I, and I don't even think that they, um, saw us or knew us or if, or if they did see us, they weren't concerned, but they were moving toward the guys in the front. And, um, since they were like you know five hundred meters is, is quite a quite a distance, and remember we don't have comms, so we couldn't you know alert anybody except for we have like uh like these uh pens pens, basically, so they shoot a laser that you can only pick up like in the in the infrared okay and so so basically what what we do like and there's protocols for this today so they knew that. If, uh, if, if there was danger close, that we would be sending a signal via, you know, via some, some type of infrared, um, since we can't, like, yell out, right? Um, so basically, we're, we, we, we flash a pattern. It's not really Morse code, but it's, we flash a particular pattern in their direction, and then we use the laser to put a lasso around the targets. So we're, we're, we're doing that. We're trying to alert them. Of of what's going on, and you know, just so they know, and and like I said, we, we feel pretty comfortable because even even if they were gonna engage with those guys, um, it's no problem. We 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 had them covered from the back, and and I think it it seemed like we had the element of surprise because, like I said, they it didn't seem like they knew we were even there, and they might not have known the guys in the front were there either. I don't know, um, but. But it was freaky man it was really freaky and so basically not not, nothing really happened yet after that like nothing immediately happened um it kind of got it stayed quiet um and we were kind of went went back through our cycles of uh of resting and stuff um Hold on, I just want to flip in my notes here, make sure I'm not leaving anything out because I'm getting, um, I'm feeling funny talking about it, man. I, can I just want to make sure I'm not.
1: I mean, it, it, this is something that you haven't talked about, you know, before at all out loud. And uh, I can understand your, you know, hesitations, discomfort, and trying to also collect all your thoughts into one cohesive statement to share with us. So uh, take your time, man
2: ah thanks man i appreciate that like my my hand is like i have the shakes right now this is so weird um okay so so yeah so so that happened um and and like i said after after that little grouping of whatever it was like passed by us it, it was all it was all quiet it was normal um so we we kind of um, just went back to our normal cycle, um, and the next thing I remember, so I must have fell asleep, um, and I was actually sleeping pretty good at this point because I was suddenly woken up. So I'm hearing I'm hearing a very pretty familiar sound, right? I'm hearing, tap, tap, tap. I'm like ah, like immediately wake up. I'm like that's that's gunfire. That's our that's our gunfire. Um, you can't you can't really mistake the sound of of an M4, you know. And it it was coming from the forward location, and uh, obviously this kind of forced everybody into a into a panic, like into a scramble. Like not not us, but like the the scientists, they all kind of. They all kind of hopped up, and they didn't. I, I could see them down in like the little, like the shallow valley below us, and they were kind of scrambling around. But I'm, but I'm hearing these shots, and the way that that the shooting is happening, like I know in my mind that that these are targeted shots. But the pattern that that was um, the pattern of the of the of the shots let me know that somebody's shooting on target. It wasn't like a panic, like, you know what I mean? These are very precise shots somebody was shooting something and uh and, and to this day i i I don't know what it was, and we'll kind of get to to why I don't know what it was shortly so so what happened was um the 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 guys on the forward hill like two of them came down they collected because like like i said we also have like um like contingency plans for everything that happens, like we're kind of prepared, like overly prepared um, so if if we did get into like an engagement, this is what we would do so the the forward team, two of the guys came down the hill and they ended up collecting where um, they they ended up collecting six of the scientists, so that left two that were on our end, and the reason. The reason why they didn't get all six is because I don't know if it was, like, in, in the scramble or what, uh, that one of the scientists had, like, hurt his hip, so he couldn't go. So we, we came down and covered down. Because by, by this time, like, we are, like, immediately up. We're, we're ready to roll because um, you, you, your body just automatically reacts. You're kind of, like, on autopilot. So those, those guys um, grabbed grab those, those scientists up in the front. And they go, they're moving toward the gunfire, which let me also know that, okay, there's not like immediate danger. There's not like an imminent danger, but 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 I'm still hearing like shots ring out periodically. So, so guys are moving. Um, and I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but this is happening over a pretty great distance. So we can't see what's happening up there and then taking taking into account that there's also trees all over the place um so are are, are you following me yeah. on this one so far yeah, absolutely okay right so those guys kind of kind of disappear the four of us from the rear watch we we go get the other you know the other two guys that are still there and they they they're, you know they they're pissing they're they're pretty nervous um as you can imagine cuz they, they don't know what's going on they just they just hear gunfire and then like i said the one guy had like hurt his hip conveniently right when and, and 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 this is the time that we need to move the quickest because now now there might be danger and this guy can't move he can't carry his gear he's in pain um so what what we do in a situation like this is we just move on to like one of our contingencies. So what happened is, um, myself and two other guys stayed with the two scientists. And one of the guys that we were, remember, I told you earlier, like there were there were two recon scouts, right? That had ran ahead of us. So there was one in the front, and there was one with us. Um, so uh, we we sent him ahead to basically catch the other group and we were gonna run and and, and, the, and the idea was that myself, uh Bravo one and Bravo two basically were gonna take the injured and the other scientist to uh to a different exfil point, which was it was just away from where we had pulled the ribs up. It was about a mile down down the coast. Right. So so we had to we, we were gonna now go on a different path because in a situation like this you can't you can't um, if you can avoid it, you you can't put a civilian in any type of danger, especially these guys because of who they actually were. You know, th- these were are very important people. Just put it that way.
1: High assets.
2: So, yeah, exactly. They're assets, and like like th- these guys are, you know, twenty pound brains. They are some of the, like I said, the smartest guys, and yeah, valuable. So, um. So, Bravo Three, the scout, he he runs ahead, and until he's out of sight, and, and and I can kind of hear periodically some shots, you know, not from him, but from from the the forward group as they're moving away from us, and then eventually, um, eventually the, those shots are, you know, I can't hear him anymore, and and now we're also moving in a different direction. There's a lot of elevation challenges and stuff like that. So, so long story short, uh, we we kind of made a makeshift gurney to to put this guy on, and we and we and we just like we had to basically we we not basically we had to literally carry him out. So uh, we we would take turns like somebody would carry his gear, and then the, the uh, either myself or Bravo One would would carry the gurney, carry this guy out. And the other scientists just, you know, he just walked along with us. Um and they, they were panicking a little bit, but they they're also they they they, they kind of know like what they could be getting into. And like I said, they might they might know more than us. Like when I look back at it, they probably did know more than us. Um but long story short, we eventually and this takes like instead of getting out of there, like I said, um, on time this this like doubled our time out that day so by the time we arrived to the you know basically to the to the secondary exfil point um the the scout that we sent ahead he was already there with the rib waiting on us and it was starting to get dark already and um so basically we just we asked him what was going on like what happened did he they talked to the other guys and all that, and, and and he never caught them. This was the weird thing because they weren't that far ahead of us, but he never caught them. And they couldn't have been moving faster than him because that's what he does. Um, But their rib was gone. He said that he said like on the beachfront, there were some some empty mags, some evidence of some shooting. And it looked like. Like where the rib that they took was, there was like very hustled movement. Right. So you can kind of see in the sand um that that feet are moving fast, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so that was strange, right? It was it was just strange. Um and, and and at the time I didn't even really think like I I've had years to think about this thing and to piece it all together and ask myself pretty much every question that I can think of to try to rationalize some of this stuff because w- what happens next is also very strange um and, and I can't reconcile it Tony like it it freaks me out and and this this is part of the reason why I just kind of just got a fresh start man I just had to get away and um yeah so uh, so so we uh we we got on the rib um and now and keep in mind, like we we still don't have contact with the ship because we we, we have one of the radios and, and we still don't have contact with the ship, and the ship now is directly just two miles away from us I mean as far as we know that that's where it's supposed to be, and now we're on sea level there there, there should be absolutely no obstruction um but for whatever reason we, we couldn't get in touch um, so we get on the rib. We go back out um to the ship and the and the ship is still there, but remember I said that we were like in a covert posture, so everything is darkened on the ship like there's no lights on it there's no this thing is just not even it's not supposed to be there, so it's not there. you know what I mean um so w- when we get get close to it we're we're ready to come alongside to to board and and finally we were able to. make contact like a radio contact with some of the crew on the ship so so we came alongside we got on the ship Uh, they they pulled the rib up and uh man this was a long two days at this point you know and i had i had a lot of questions I, i really needed to talk to the guys and find out what what happened. Like, what what? Why were they shooting? What were they shooting at? Because it, it, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but it was daylight when those first shots rang out. So it was already like the sun was coming up, and I, I couldn't. See, I, we didn't see anything. We didn't see anything. You know, target wise, we didn't. We didn't hear anything shooting back. Um, it was just completely abnormal. <sighs> So, um, so we, we, uh, we grabbed our gear. We kind of, we took the scientists to the dock cause there's a dock on the ship and basically, you know, here, we just basically dumped them off. Um, let the dock do what the dock does. Um, you know, then, then we had our gear, we took our gear to the skiff. We started putting things away and there were, uh, there were two civilians that work on the ship that were in the skiff, which is fine because they had clearance to be in there. But, but there was, there, there was no, no military personnel. Like, so, so the guys that came back to the ship before us, we didn't see them. We didn't see any of the other scientists. Um, oh, sorry. Let me, let me, let me, let me just, I left one thing out. So okay. our OIC, which is the, our officer in charge, he was on the ship the whole time. So LT was on the ship the whole time. Um, he never came off with us. I, for- I forgot to mention that. And it just, it, it just crossed my mind because he left a message on the board in, in the skiff and just basically said, you know, 0700 muster. Because, like I said, it's already dark now. Um, so I guess everyone else was sleeping.
1: What does that mean? You know, at- What's that? the zero uh, muster yeah
2: oh sorry so just like 7 a.m meeting
1: oh okay gotcha
2: so like a muster is just like um everybody be here at this time okay yeah so it's so, okay cool that that that, that wasn't even con- considering the situation and also we didn't know i mean we kind of talked to the doc briefly asked him if there were any other casualties that came on board and uh he said no So, so we just assumed it was all good. And, um, yeah, so we kind of, the way, the way it was divided up, like out of the four of us, like there were two of us to a room on the ship. So me and Bravo one, which, um, which is the guy that I've mentioned several times, like the, like, like my, my personal friend, um, like we shared a room. So, we dumped our gear off and you know, there's a few things we had to do. Um, we had to write up some mission logs and stuff like that. So we did all that. Then we went back. Um We, we showered, you know, and, and, and let me tell you, man, we were exhausted. Obviously we, we were just, just out for a couple of days. And, and even if you're out for a casual hike for a couple of days, you're, you're going to be pretty tired. And, and we weren't necessarily like climbing and stuff, but, It was a pretty rough one and, um, just, just exhausting. So we, uh, we, we all shower up and, um, and the other two guys, they go off and do their own thing. Yeah. So, so now me and, uh, me and Bravo one can now have a conversation about everything that just happened because I didn't even tell him. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody about like that Inaki and stuff. Um, and 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 I didn't really once we got moving. I didn't really think about it too much more. I didn't have time. There was just other stuff happening. Um. So so we kind of had a chat. Like when we were on site on the location, he was uh, he was doing a lot of like uh, what would we'll you say environmental scanning. Um. So he didn't run into anything weird like i did but but i told him about what happened and stuff and he was like you know obviously he he didn't really he didn't really believe it but then but then then he kind of had to believe it because we all four saw that that weird stuff with the like the bright orange eyes like moving through the forest and none of us knew what that was. That, that was freaky, man. You talk about you've heard people like tell stories how like the hair on their neck stands up. Man, that's real. Like if you've like I've I've been afraid before. I've been afraid plenty of times, but not like like that. It was a different type of fear. It was like a cold, bone chilling fear, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um so it's not not something that you're gonna forget. So um, long story short we have our little chat and then we just we just rack out um, until the next day. And even though it was dark, it was still relatively early because when there's an, yeah, it was it, it doesn't matter. We 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 got some good sleep. So we get up the next day and um, kind of some of us are like moving moving through. We're going to the galley and stuff. And and now finally I'm seeing some of the other guys that came back um, before us. And we're like, "Oh man, we're like, what well, what's going what happened? What's going on?" And um and, and and they they were giving us like um like weird answers like like the type of answers that you would give somebody if if you just didn't want them to like be in your business at all. Like kind of just like putting us off that they, they didn't they wouldn't tell us what happened. And it and it was almost like they were pretending that they they didn't even know what happened, right? They were like, "What are you guys talking about?" Like, like, like almost like we had imagined this thing. <sighs> and uh, man, this this is this is what really messes me up because what happens next, man? Um, Lt comes in for for the muster, so we're out of the galley now. We're back in the in the skiff, and everybody's there everyone, the scientists and us. Uh, and, uh, and this is strange, man. Um, LT gets up, and, and we think that we're about to get a debrief. And LT gets up and gives us a mission prep brief. And he tells us that we are currently on call for a lost search and recovery team that was out looking for a downed <clears throat> a downed aircraft what? yeah I know that's what I said and uh, <clears throat> so so I kind of look look around the room a little bit and uh, and, and it seemed for the most part that the guys that were there, they were like, they were like into it, like yeah, you know, like like how you would normally be when when you get a a mission, you know, like a brief, a mission brief. But I'm looking at at the four, you know, the the four of us that were in the back that all saw those orange eyes, and and um, I'll explain why I think that we're the only ones that kind of knew later because. Uh, like I said, I've been racking my brain for a couple of years, and I and I just um, I don't know what happened, man. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, and I kind of look say something. I can't even remember what I said, man. I was I was kind of shocked, you know. Like I thought, I thought he was joking, but LT doesn't joke, you know. LT does not joke. It's all business. And I, and I said something to him, and and he looks at me like like dead ass, you know, like dead ass serious, like like what are you talking about? Because I I, I had said something, I must have alluded to how we were just out, you know, like oh, I said, you know, are we uh, going to look for ourselves or you know something stupid like that? And and no no one said it, man. No one said anything, and I, so I just I just shut up. Cause, I, Cause, now I don't, know, I, Tony. I I don't know what's going on at this point. I'm 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 freaking out. I don't freak out. I'm I'm very calm, and, and and I have the ability to process information very quickly and make sense out of very complex things. That's that's something I'm very good at. And and and, and I was getting to a point where I, I felt like I was like gonna panic, like on the inside. You know what I mean? I'm, and I didn't know if anybody else was feeling it. Um, so we just, we, we let the brief end. And um, and like I said, when I was looking around the room, I, I saw the uh, you know, Bravo uh, 1, 2, and 3. They kind of probably had the same look on their face as, as I did because we kind of exchanged glances. We weren't sitting beside each other. We were just like kind of standing around in a room. It wasn't like a big formal thing. It was just a muster. And... Um, So we, we got the hell out of there. And, uh, so he, so, um, let me just back up. So uh, LT gave some instructions, like what we were going to do. And he said, um, right now he said, just stand by because now that storm is coming in and we're starting to get into a pretty, pretty heavy sea state. It's, It's It's not too, we're probably like a sea state three or something, which just means that like the waves are starting to get pretty big and we're on a, a relatively small craft, you know what i mean? So 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 we had to leave the area to kind of go around the storm. That that was what we that was, that was our orders. But while we were doing that, uh, apparently we were on a uh, you know, apparently we were on on a mission to go recover some <clears throat> some guys who were on a search and recovery for a downed aircraft and uh yeah so so we got the hell out of there and um so at this time like the the, when we get in a situation like this like we set up a watch bill basically so we just rotate security watches and you know someone has to man like the radios and like the encrypted um just uh just different jobs to do while we're on this particular ship and some of it was security so you do like patrols and you know stuff like that you know what i mean yeah um yeah and and, man i i feel like i've am i am i still making sense here
1: no you're doing fine man you're absolutely doing fine i understand that (laughs) like the more your story unfolds the more i understand how difficult it probably is to collect your thoughts all in one cohesive statement for the first time so you're doing absolutely fine man and uh you know i'm just sitting here baffled
2: i mean you and me both i mean i yeah i i don't know so so as as we take our our watches uh, so basically now we're we're 12 on 12 off So a group of us will work for twelve hours while the other group rests, or hits the gym, or does whatever gets some rec time, you know. And um, and and I'm willing to accept this at this point. Like I'm, I'm also not so naive to think that um that you may I'm not naive to totally dismiss the fact that. I may or may not be part of like a PSYOP or, you know, like I, like I said, I've, I've had a lot of time to think about like what's going on, but there's some more weird stuff that I'm going to tell you about before we wrap this up that happens because while we're on these watches, man, um, and this happened on more than one occasion and and this kind of like, man, this scares the hell out of me because this is like, I don't know like maybe like um time time slip type of stuff I, I don't know you probably heard more stories about it um but there there was a, a few occasions where I would be doing like a security patrol for instance and keep in mind there's there's like th- about 35 other people on the ship that actually work on the ship so like, there's people on the bridge there's people that have different jobs and do their thing so it's it's not a it's not a huge ship or anything so so it's quite common to run into people when you're moving in and out of spaces and stuff. So, um, so the one one night, um, my, it might have been the first night or the second night. I really, I really don't remember now because these next, like, I would say, thirty to sixty days are are really weird. They all kind of run together, I guess. Um, and I, and I don't have like a clear recollection of each day by day by day by day, you know? And that's not totally uncommon for deployment because things become very repetitive and you do kind of get into like a, a groove and you don't pay attention to the days or the times, right? So um, first or second night, uh, I'm just on a normal security patrol. So I'm just walking in into uh, particular spaces on the ship. And um, so Tony, um, I, I walk up onto the bridge and, um, and like I said, like we we are doing our best to avoid the storm, but it's it's still pretty rough. Like we're in a pretty good sea state, so there's a lot of movement going on, like on the ship, and um, you know, we're crashing into waves, and just it's 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 just a it's a weird situation. It's raining on and off, um, but I walk into the bridge, and it's at nighttime. So if you've ever been on a ship at nighttime, like the bridge is completely dark, like it's to the point where, like until your eyes adjust, you can't even see people. The only thing you can see is like the instruments that are on, like the panels, and they're not very bright, but you know they're electronic, so you can kind of see them, you know, like the radars and stuff like that. So I, I walk in, I walk onto the bridge, and and I and I. Well, I, I attempted to to greet the officer of the deck. Um, and the captain wasn't on the bridge at this time. He, I guess he was sleeping. You know, it's nighttime. Uh, so they had like the, I don't even, I, I'm not familiar with like ship terminology. So I don't know whoever drives the ship. And they had those guys up there. And when I like, no one's responding to me. Like usually they're, you know, these guys are cool, you know, they're very welcoming to us and we're, we're always chatting when we see them. So I, I, I get on, I get on the bridge, man. And I just, you know, say who I am. So they know who I am when I come in cause it's dark and, and no one's responding to me. And I, and I'm sitting there and, and I'm thinking like, okay, they're just busy or whatever. And, uh, and like as my as my eyes start to adjust like i can i can see a few guys in there and and they're just like standing there completely frozen and um and the ship is moving like there's there's good movement with the waves and these guys are like solid it, you you can't do it's like you can't do that it, you just it's like it, it, it's beyond physics and, and, and I don't know, it, and I didn't, it was just weird, you know, and they weren't talking and it was, it was completely pitch black. So I just kept it moving at that point. And, and, and it was weird, man. Like I got that weird feeling again. So I just exited the bridge on the other side and I went around and I went back down to get, uh, you know, Bravo one, we were on the same watch cycle. So I found, I found him and, uh, and we went back up to the bridge and, and and I told him what what had just happened and so we we walked onto the bridge tony and it was business as usual the guys were very receptive they were talking to us like you know talking about the weather and and you know tony what does that mean
1: it seems like you were involved in some kind of freezing of time i mean it's it it sounds like it's something straight out of a movie you know like where you walk in and everything's just frozen so like you're you're, what you're saying is everybody was frozen like almost frozen in time but everything was moving at the same time like the waves were going the ship was going but the people themselves were just frozen like stopped in time
2: yes And, and and i and i remember having to like balance myself. Cause we took a few while I was, you know, up there, we took a few, you know, a few like waves or whatever. And, and, and you can't stand still on a ship like that. And, and it was just weird. And then, and, and it wasn't five minutes later and everything was back to normal. And, and like brought, you know, Bravo one and two and three, like we all agreed because you remember what happened when we had the muster with L T. And uh, and that's something I haven't hit on yet, Tony. We us four were the only people who remembered the stories the way that I've just told it up to this point. So just to test it before we even got into it, I, I forgot to to mention this. Like when Bravo One and I were back in the room on that first night back, before we even talked about it, we said, okay let's just bullet point the last, you know, two and a half days, what happened. So we separately just wrote down, you know, bullet points of what happened, man. And it was, it was almost identical. So I know that like my version didn't influence his and his didn't influence mine. You know what I mean? Because there's no way that, that we could have known what each other was writing unless we had gone through it. Um, yeah, so, so, so us four were the only, so as, as this is going on, cause like I said, the, the bridge thing happened like the first or second night. And, um, and then when you're on a 12, 12, a watch rotation, you don't necessarily like see the other guys very much. Or if you do, all you're doing is like a turnover and then they're off. So it's not like a, you're not, it's not a social call, but, um, from, from what I could gather. And, well I guess from what we could gather is these guys, they 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 genuinely or they pretended that they didn't remember anything that had happened of of this whole story that I've just gone through. It it like didn't exist to them. And and that 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 that's something that has really messed with me and, and even like, remember the scientist that was injured? So I ended up catching him one day cuz they had totally different quarters than us. Um so we didn't really see them too much like on the ship. They didn't, they had different like galley, they had a different recreational room and stuff like that. But anyways, I the the guy that had injured his hip, I, I finally ran into him and we had a conversation about, you know, how's his hip doing? And he was like, "Oh, yeah, it's getting better." So I thought, "Oh." I said, "Okay." I said, "This guy, he, he knows what happened." And, and so I asked him what happened. I said, uh, you know, I, I must have said something about, oh, did you get startled? And, you know, whatever, whatever, your hip. And he was like, uh, he was like, no, um, during that storm, I fell down a ladder well on the ship. And that's, that's how he hurt his hip. Huh. So, so he was telling me that because of you know he got off balance going, because on a ship if you're changing levels you just go up, like, up, up or down like a little ladder well, and and he he tells me that he hurt it because of that. Wow. And, and none of this is making sense to me, um, at all. Obviously, because it, from my perspective, I've told you what what has happened, and now now I'm dealing with a whole different thing so that that freezing thing um it happened again i had walked into a rec room and this was this was this time it was in broad daylight and this this was some of the ship's crew and it was some of our guys and the same thing happened man it was like i I walked in the door and everyone was just like do you remember that mannequin challenge
1: oh yeah where everybody just kind of stands
2: where they like yeah, and then like the the beat would drop and people start dance. So that's 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 what it was like, man. I walked in, and and, and there's a room full of frozen people again, and I'm I'm freaking out. I'm I'm trying to talk to these guys. Um, I, 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 there, there's some things that I wish I would have done now that I look back at it, but I was I was too. I think I was just scared, man. I didn't know what was happening. Cause I should have like grabbed them and touched them, slapped them, did something, but um, but I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, and it was the same type of situation. I went, um, actually, this time I didn't even go get anybody because I just figured I'm, I'm going a little bit crazy. Like, like, legitimately, I was starting to question my own sanity at this point because nothing is making sense, and at, at this point, we're starting to to come around that storm and go back to the original location where we had disembarked. Right. And this is when our mission was going to start to go look for these, um, I guess this, this search and rescue crew. So, um, we, we circle back around the seas. They calm down. Um, and, like word from like you know home home base was just just to hold because now the storm was land made landfall and there's no way they were gonna send anybody up there because there would be all kinds of like flash floods and you know mudslides and you you you'd never know so they weren't gonna send anybody and uh, and and I've kind of I guess we're, we're near the end of this because nothing really happened after that um, oh sorry. I will say this, man, there was, a, I was I was spending some time on the bridge and there were, there were some weird anomalies where we would, we would pick up. And this was when we were just sitting off that coast, um, after the storm and we were just sitting there, um, waiting for actual orders to see what we were going to do. There were these weird anomalies on the radar where these air contacts. So you know how radar works? Just, um, yeah. It doesn't. Really, I guess it doesn't really matter how it works, but we were getting these contacts that were flying from the landmass directly at us at two hundred and forty some odd knots, which things don't move that fast. And if if they do, we're gonna we're gonna see it. We're gonna hear it. And it, and it got to the point where we kind of we we reset the equipment because sometimes like. Um, like, clouds and different, like, um, atmospheric situations can cause radar to mess up. But we did some troubleshooting on it, and, and this stuff kept happening. It was to the point where, where we sent somebody topside with cameras so they could catch something. Because these things would come, they would fly straight at the ship, and then when they would get to our position, they would completely disappear. Like, from radar. No, no one ever saw anything. Um, just looking back on it, when I think about it, that was something very weird. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was equipment malfunction. Um, I I don't know. (sighs) So, um, not nothing really happened with that. Um, we, I, like I said, we were out there between like 30 and 60 more days from the point that we returned to the ship and, uh, And we got orders to just, you know, RTB, and basically go home. So, so we did that. And, and man, I'll tell you, there there was so much tension, like so much tension that no, man, no one was even speaking to each other. It was just just a few of us. Like it was, it was weird, man. It wasn't like that because, like I said, this was our fourth our fourth trip. Like we we were we were pretty tight. Like the whole group was tight, and now, like by the end of this thing, man, we—I don't know what's going on with them. I'm assuming that they think that we're crazy. I don't know, but there was tension, man, um, just to the point where we were just ready to get the hell out of there um, and just keep it moving. We RTB, we went back stateside, um, and and once we got back stateside, man, no one remembered. Let's see. Oh, so when we actually pulled into the first port, this is another thing that never happened before, because because like I said, we were in another country, right? So we first pulled into the port. Man, there were there were two black helicopters that picked up the scientists and took them immediately. And that's weird because we don't have black helicopters, but they were waiting pier side. So that happened. Then we all went home. And then once we returned home, man, um like the, the crew split up, like LT, he he got posted like somewhere on the East Coast. Um, and then we all kind of individually got put on different teams and some guys went to different locations altogether. Um and then I, I ended up doing two more deployments before my contract was up, and then dude, I I got the hell out of there. Um, because it was just time to go and, um, yeah. And, and, and that, that's about, that's really about it for that story, except for, uh, a couple years ago, I went, I went back up to visit Bravo one because, uh, he still lives in the same area where we were all stationed. And actually, man, he, he got, he had got out, um, he got out and then recently, man, he went he went like active duty again. And I don't know why, man, there's something, there's something up with them. Cause I was talking to him. This was just a few weeks ago. Like when I, I remember, I had to reach out to you and I felt a little uneasy, um, to even tell the story and stuff.
1: Yeah. You weren't sure if you were actually going to come on or not. You kind of like word.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had to talk to some guys. I wanted to make sure that I'm not like breaching anything. And so anyways, man, I go back or I didn't even go back. I was just talking to him. Um, just recently, man, he's experiencing like off off the chart paranormal activity at his house. Like he he's being woken up in the middle of the night by by slamming doors. Like he like the way he describes it is he's got this this basement door that's always open. Like it's a really heavy door, so it just stays open. And he'll say just in the middle of the night, man, it'll it'll just slam. And then it'll wake him up and then he'll go look. And I and I thought, oh yeah, man, I don't know, it could be, you know, a draft or whatever. But I also listened to your show, so I'm like, oh, man, it could be something else. But I I didn't really want to alarm him too much. But then he he volunteered and he said, Oh yeah. And uh I've been getting out of the shower and there's like messages written, you know how it steams up. Yeah. He he's telling me that there's like messages written on the shower, like you know, like different things about uh, it's your time to die and just like weird, like kind of scary messages. And I said, oh, maybe maybe your your wife or your kid, but no, like he he's kind of like me, so he's thoroughly investigated it and 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 he's pretty terrified. Um, obviously cause he's having some weird, I don't know, like, I think you call that kind of stuff like poltergeist or, or something like that. I, I, I don't know. Um, but he, he did say that he had talked to some of the neighbors in the area cause he, he, he recently bought the house like within the last couple of years or something. And apparently there was a, a, a young kid, I don't know, a teenager that had died in the house before. So I don't know if that is playing into it. I don't want to speculate. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I went. I went back a couple of years ago just for a visit. Like I said, this was before like the poltergeist stuff, and and the, and and there's there's just a few of the guys that I that I still know in the community that are up there, and I, you know, we got together with them, and and me and Bravo one, we we like really hung out, did a lot of soul searching, trying to figure this thing out because both of us are, you know, pretty messed up about it because I'm. I'm kind of of the opinion, man, that like may, maybe like my body is like still out there somewhere. Like, and we did like slip into a different reality or a different. I, I don't know, man, because it's just too weird that like I know these things happen, man. I was there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I never have been. You know, I don't take meds, I don't take drugs. You know what I mean? So. <sighs> It's just one of those things I can't explain. That's why I wanted to tell you about it. Maybe you know something. I, I don't know.
1: No, man. You are the want to experience it. You know more than I would know. Uh, this is highly, highly unusual. And I think one thing that you can do to take uh, note of is the fact that you do have somebody in your life that remembers the events like they unfolded for you. So you're not crazy. Unless you both went crazy with the same crazy story at the same crazy time. I just don't see that happening. Uh, the things that you experienced with the people being frozen to, uh, having to go out and look for yourself and all that stuff, the orders that came through, uh, it does seem like there was some kind of weird time slip. And, and, and now that you just mentioned it about your body still being out there, I never considered that this whole whole time, but it, it, it is weird. Like you have with this kind of thing, you have to consider, all possibilities, because this is highly paranormal. This is highly unusual, and this is something that you really can't say. Oh well, that couldn't happen because that's impossible. This whole thing is impossible. You know what I mean?
2: This whole thing is impossible. I know. <laughs> man, it's so good to talk to you because you. It's almost like you you just you know you're you're not judging. You kind of you kind of understand. Yeah, man. No, listen. I haven't talked to anybody about this man and i've been kind of keeping it bottled up and and like i said this is part of the reason why i left man after all this stuff happened and there's some other stuff that happened too. like um so the other two guys that were involved like the one guy I'll, i'll just call him bravo too like man he he was the best operator i was ever around and he is total recluse man he he surfaces maybe like once a year and, and and I'll either hear from him directly or I'll hear from him indirectly because we have a few different ways to communicate. And and the other guy, um, you know, Bravo 3, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that, man, he just pulled the pin. Are you serious? So, well, I, that's what I heard. I don't know. I haven't been in contact with him at all. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope I hope it's just speculation, but yeah, you really don't know, man. You just I mean, you don't know how people are gonna process things. Like like me, like my my thing was, I'm just gonna pretty much keep it all inside, and I'm gonna gonna find my best exit, and that's what I did, man. And that's that's why that's why I'm here, and and, I, and I'm living a I'm living a pretty good life. I hope that, I hope that me coming on here doesn't start to change things because I'm in a good place right now. You know, they tried, uh, you know, like when you get out and stuff, you go for psyche vows and all this stuff. And, and I never told the the counselors anything about this kind of stuff, but they, they still tried to put me on meds, man. And I refused them. They just figured, I guess from all the other like normal stuff that we went through that I have PTSD because they, you know, I, they they did diagnose me and all that, but I don't I don't think so, man. I I don't care because I don't I don't take the meds anyways. I, I'm I'm okay without them because I, I've known guys that get on these meds, man, and they kind of uh, you know they they got they, they they lose the plot.
1: Yeah. You know, a couple of times so, now you've mentioned that that's why you got out. And I, I, I just, I don't know if we mentioned in the beginning of the show and stuff, but I just want to let the, the audience know that you, you were part of the United States military. You were American. And after this event and you got out of the military, you actually left the country. And I don't know if we mentioned where you're at and stuff, but, uh, if yeah,
2: let's not, yeah, if we didn't, let's leave it.
1: Yeah. it We'll just leave it as that. But I mean, you're out of country now and for a few years you've been out. And so this affected you to the point where you left everything that you known to start over somewhere in a different country. And, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, what about your family? Do they know where you're at? Do they know why you left? Are they okay? What's, what's that whole angle about?
2: Um, they, they, they know where I am. am. Um, they, 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 don't, they don't know the details. Uh, you know, I, I can't, I haven't figured out a way to tell anybody. Yeah, except for now I've told the podcast, but you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't, I don't know how I could like look at my dad or, you know, somebody very close to me and, and rattle this story off. I I just, you know, I just can't do it. So they, they just assume that I got a good opportunity because, because I, I did, I, I have a, like I said, I do have a good opportunity and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's working for me here. So as far as they're concerned, I just voluntarily came here.
1: Do you ever go back home?
2: Yeah, every once in a while, maybe once every two years. Okay. And, and, I, and, I, and I only go to where I'm from, from. Um, except the one, the one time I did take an excursion to go see Bravo One. Um, other than that, I just go see my people. I don't announce it. I don't do anything. I just go, and then I leave. Yeah. So not not, not because I'm worried about anything. I, I just that's just what, how I do it. I don't know. No, I can that's just what
1: I do. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to explain yourself on that, man. Uh, so there's there is four people: you, Bravo One, two other guys, and I'm, if I'm if I'm recalling this correctly, all four of you to this day, except for maybe that one guy, remember the events as they unfolded, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, because I, I know for sure Bravo One does. I know for sure Bravo Two does the the recluse, and I know for sure that the you know Bravo Three he, at least he did know. I mean, we all discussed it face to face. So yeah, there were four people after the fact that could corroborate what happened. It makes
1: me wonder what was different about you four that you guys have your memories about this but nobody else does. I mean
2: because yeah, I'm glad you asked. Because like I said, I've had I've had um, you know, some years to piece it together and and, and the only like logical conclusion that I kind of came up with, um, because I wondered the same thing. I said I said, well why would we? But maybe it's because these orange eyes that we saw didn't see us. And maybe those guys saw the orange eyes, and the orange eyes saw them, and it did something. I don't. That's the only thing. Because I, I hear some of your other shows, and I forget which show I was listening to. Or yours. Somebody said something that kind of triggered that in my mind. Think like, oh, well, maybe they actually made eye contact with whatever this the stuff was. And um, yeah, I don't know. And, and and maybe that 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 that's it. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, I definitely think that could be a possibility. The orange eyes, it, when you were describing them originally, I, I, I can't remember what you said, but I feel like you said something like uh, the orange eyes looked like something. Was it like a technology or something? What, what Do you remember what you were saying? I can't remember.
2: Oh, yeah. I, 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 I just said that because the way that these these things were moving, that they didn't really look like how like normal like it was very asymmetrical. So if if you were like if it was another unit that was like trying to track us down, they would be moving very symmetrically. Um like as a unit, as a, you know, cuz that's what you're trained to do. So th- these these things were moving very asymmetrically and like I said, um, or maybe I didn't say, but they they were different sizes. So some were like really tall, some some appeared to be short. But what I said was Maybe it was other people that had optics on. Like you had. Like maybe had, Yeah, like some type of night vision or something that they had that just appeared to be orange. But I, but, but, but I couldn't see it on night vision. I couldn't see it with my naked eye. I could only see it on the FLIR. Or I should okay. say we.
1: Now You this could is, only see it on the FLIR. Now, this is just playing off of what you already put out there as a theory. But what if that was you guys looking for yourselves in this time slip and because you, come in, because you didn't come in contact with your own self, you have the memories of what happened there, and maybe your own self in the other time slip has forgotten why he's even there. Oh man!
2: I don't know. Oh man! Wow! I never considered that
1: because you said that they they like you at one point. You said something about. Uh, shadow figures being on the show and you remember hearing about that i mean it almost makes me feel like maybe these were like you were you they were paralleling time slips and what you were seeing was almost like a shadow image of yourselves with the optics on and i i don't know like it, it's just <laughs> something i thought of
2: that is oh, wow uh that never crossed my mind and and that's that, that that sounds like it could be plausible. It's trippy. Oh man, yeah. Wow. I'm really wow. I'm I'm gonna have to think on that one, because, man, that that, that could be it. I mean, what else could it be?
1: I don't know. I mean, because it, it when you're describing the story, it sounded almost like when you got on ship somebody had a memory eraser device like men in black and you just didn't get it for some reason, which doesn't make sense. And it's like, it's almost like when you got back to the ship, whoever got back there first already didn't have memories of what you had. It, it, it It's just, it's very strange. And the fact that while you were out there, the craft that you found and uh, the things that you found on it is, um, it might be the whole reason why there was a time slip to begin with. Maybe there was some kind of um, paranormal slash alien technology type stuff that we as a military have been messing with. And there's repercussions for that. Because uh, you said that it's a craft that you've never seen before. is very strange. There are parts of it that were cold that shouldn't have been cold. Yet when you got inside, your devices were able to work on it. So it's almost like, Yeah, it's almost like if this was a military piece of military equipment, it it was like they're using alien technology. But maybe the alien technology that that how do I say this? Like um, maybe the things that you have that you were using as tools and stuff are alien technology. It's just you were trained on it, and that's why it actually worked on this craft. Does that make sense?
2: Wow, wow, yeah, you. You 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 are saying things that I never considered because yeah we we did use like stuff that you can't buy at Best Buy you know yeah like it's, we, it's... We, we use a whole different set of equipment that I, now that you mention that maybe wow you, yeah you're actually giving me a few few things to think about that actually make a lot of sense I appreciate that
1: yeah for sure man um, I, I just when I'm sitting here listening to your story uh, I'm just thinking and I'm like there's something off about this but even before you got to the time slip part uh the way you were describing the craft and how your devices worked on the craft I was like okay so what he just described sounded like alien an alien craft of some sort even the way it it crash landed supposedly and uh then but then your your things worked on the craft and uh, that that was like a a head scratcher to me because you would think that as you're approaching oh, right, something yeah. that you are not familiar with, it looks totally alien in the definition word of alien, not from this, uh, known world, you know, whether it's from us, right, or yeah. that, uh, but it's just alien to you. Yeah. Um, but that your stuff worked on the inside. And then the guy who was there with you, where you saw the Enochian language, um, knew what it was. That is something that is a red flag. That you. tripped me out. Yeah. And I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I, I, they, the, the, the guy that said that to you is he one of the guys that didn't have memories of what happened?
2: Yep, he's one of them. Wow. See, that's not, really- none of none of none of the scientists remembered. None of them.
1: Oh, he was a scientist.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Okay. Yeah, he was a scientist. See, that, that's why I thought it was strange when he when he said when he said, "Oh, you won't you won't find it in your manual," because he's a civilian and I'm. And I'm like, well, how do you know what's in my manual? And then that's when he said, Oh, it's Enochian or I guess Enochian. But he said Enochian. Okay. So like later on, you know, like um I have researched and tried to find everything I could on this stuff. And and, and it's kinda like you said earlier, it's like a very um ancient it's really an ancient angelic language and from what I found there is a side you like a like a part of it used by demons and a side of it used by angels. Now, why it was on this computer screen and, and part of this equipment, man, I have no idea.
1: Well, there's, it's, there's um, these ideas out there that um, our U.S. military governmental entities are in communication, because you've heard of people saying that our government's in communication with aliens. Uh, some people believe yeah, that sure. fallen angels are aliens. Some people believe that our government military is in communication with fallen angels. And if that were true, which I don't know if it's true or not, but if that is true, that would possibly describe uh, under, lend some understanding as to how uh, there was Enochian language on this. Uh, Enoch, the book of Enoch, talking about fallen angels and what happened in that event. Uh, and there, the, there's this whole other side of Enochian magic, uh, which is like ceremonial magic that you know evokes spirits and things like that. It, there's a whole nother level to this that when you just, and that was just a small part of your story talking about the Enochian language, but that itself might be a very, very, Uh, large key to unlocking what was going on there.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Cause I, that's, that's one point that I keep coming back to. Like when I go over this stuff in my mind, like I I keep going back to that and and I go back to how did this guy know? And then I go back to before we even left, how they seemed to be like really on edge or, or just, straight up in fear so kind of maybe they they kind of maybe had a different mission brief than us and they knew maybe what we were getting into i don't know man i don't know wow but wow. but none of it makes sense and like i you know i've reconciled what i can reconcile you've given me a few really good things to think about but uh otherwise man i you know i don't really want any other parts of this uh I'll probably never really talk about it again, especially publicly, but I just wanted to reach out to you and, and see what you thought.
1: Yeah. You know, before we end this, I want to ask you one more question. When you saw those entities walking and with the, you know, the orange eyes, were they walking in the direction mm-hmm. of the craft?
2: No, we were going to, so they were coming from that direction. Okay. So they, like I said, like we, we were like on the aft post, um, the way we were set up and they were moving past us like horizontally towards the front of the group See? but they, they were still they were still it appeared that they were probably about 50 meters away from us but they didn't make any sounds it was just you know bravo 1 had spotted them that's what alerted alerted us
1: wow it re- it really makes you wonder if if that was some kind of time slip where You know, your unit in a different time lap was coming from that craft, and that's what you were seeing. And somehow, those that's freak those things consumed the timeline, except for yours. Um, How you said there's about twenty of them. How many were there of you guys?
2: Uh, There were sixteen of us. Sixteen. Maybe maybe there was only sixteen. You know, I was that's just an estimate. I didn't count because as things move. In and out of like you know behind trees and different stuff. I don't really have a, an actual count.
1: Yeah, I'm not trying to figure uh, no. out, man. I just, I'm just. Th- no, 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 no. I'm.
2: No, I, I, I honestly like where you're going. I, I like where you're going. Like where your head is with it because it, 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 seems, it seems to make sense. Definitely seems to make sense. Like, in, well, <laughs> if any of this makes sense, <laughs> that help make it make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I can understand. Uh, bizarre. Is that like really, really bizarre, man? So
1: you had this experience and I don't know. I, I mean I'm I, I can't tell you what you experienced other than it's obviously highly unusual. And there's a lot of different angles to go about looking at this. Uh man, I'm always available for you to talk to. If you want to, you know, bang ideas, you know how to get a hold of me. Um I I'm absolutely fine with talking with you about this and talking through it. Um, it's, I appreciate that. And, and I've, I'm not military. I, I'm just a goofball with a podcast that thinks outside the box. And so, uh, oh,
2: don't, don't sell yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I just, you know, I, cause I want you to know, man, like this, this stuff is crazy that you experienced. And, uh, I believe you, I believe you. And it, it's, a. Thank you. It's a a crappy thing that you have to go through, and uh, it obviously affected your life, and it's probably going to affect you for the rest of your life. And so uh, even the idea of PTSD, that might be something that sets in for real later on in life as you start remembering things and you start putting things together. It might cause PTSD. So, you know, just don't don't ever... cut anything out as an option when it comes to dealing with this because uh at some point you might feel like hey i might need the, that medication now and that's okay that's okay
2: yeah no that's fair that's fair i i appreciate that
1: there's there's too much that's, that's there's too much a, there it, i don't like the way people treat um mental illness on a grand scale uh it like it's it's okay like the way I look at it, like, did have you ever broken a bone? It's the same thing. It, it It's just a physical issue that needs correction. And so uh, it, it's nothing, yeah. it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's, you're not unusual. Nobody's unusual that has that kind of issue. It's natural. It's fine. Uh, it just needs to be dealt with just like a broken bone. And so, um, so you can heal properly. Uh, so I'm just saying that I, I, I believe you that you don't feel PTSD right now. I'm just saying as time goes on, that might set in. As yeah, yeah.
2: Effect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That does happen sometimes. Yeah.
1: Well, man, I appreciate you talking to us and I know, uh, I think you had said that there were several, um, <laughs> deployments that you went on that were unusual, but I'm assuming this is the most unusual one you went on.
2: Yeah, no, i I, 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 if I, if I said that I didn't mean that. <clears throat> um, most of them were pretty standard. Oh okay. Um, nothing like this. It was this was just this was an anomaly for sure. Because cause the 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 two two more that I went on after were, you know, pretty much like the first three, like as far as what was expected and what happened.
1: Gotcha. Well, Charlie, so, so Jason, yeah, man.
2: If, I, if, I, if I said that I, I did miss, misspeak, I didn't mean that.
1: No, it's fine. I don't think you said during the interview. I feel like I, I remembered reading that somewhere in the emails or something like that, but I, I probably misread uh-huh. it um, or misremembering. But, Charlie, man, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this account, and I think people are really going to be baffled by it as much as you are. So, I really do appreciate you coming on and just feeling open enough to share it with the community.
2: Yeah, definitely, man. I, I appreciate you giving me your ear. And uh, let let me uh, get it off my chest. I I really do appreciate that. It means a lot. Thank you.
1: Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. I know it's an older one, but go ahead and share it because many people may not have heard that show. And I know they're going to enjoy it if you enjoyed it. And just remember this Thursday, we're dropping the sequel to this interview on the website for members only. So if that interests you, go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. And before we get out of here, I just want to let you guys know a little bit here about some background info. I have many stories I could share about my interactions with Charlie and some of them I probably can't share. I actually had to rerecord the intro several times because I started sharing things. I was thinking, man, Charlie probably doesn't want me sharing that. So uh, one thing I will share with you because I don't think it's that big of a deal is after I released the episode Egress Industries with the Hollow Sky podcast guys, we had a phone call with Charlie where he was kind of helping us out with some intel. And he proved to be very useful during that conversation. But one thing that he said that I don't know if he realized he said it at the time, but I called him on it and he kind of was just like, yeah, we were talking about one of the characters in that episode, Bill. And we did not say Bill's first or last name on that show. We wanted to keep his name private. And when we were doing the phone call with Charlie, Charlie's talking about Bill, but he used his full first and last name. And I called Charlie on. I said, Charlie, I know you've been looking into Bill because you just used his last name and we didn't say that on the show. And he just kind of paused and he said, yeah, I've done my research on him. So uh, Charlie is who he says he is. And that's just one story, one little story I could share with you guys. There's been a lot of things over the years that I've referred to Charlie on, and he's pulled through for me with some very good information. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I'm 100% confident in his story and what he shared with us. And what he's going to share on Thursday is just the other side of what happened to him after the interview aired. So until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye.